Today we're talking about Rosecroft Apartments. This was our 41st apartment deal. Got matching shirts today for the occasion. We sold this deal this past week here. We generated over 40% IRR on a six-year hold. So a big win for uh, the Greenleaf team and our investors in this one. And it comes off a second generation 1031. So there are some even gains before it that got rolled into this. We're going to touch base a little bit on how this deal went, what we liked about it. And you, you want to go through, I mean, this started 10 years ago to get to the point we're at now. Yeah, in 2013, we were in Duluth, Georgia, buying 72 units called Proctor Square. They were all two bedroom, one baths right by downtown Duluth before, frankly, there was really a downtown Duluth yeah, that, at the time. Yeah, that area exploded now. Yeah, and um, we bought that property in the 30s per unit, and we sold it in the 70s per unit, and 1031 exchanged into Rosecroft in 2017. Yeah, so we went from a product that was built in 1968, right? So Proctor was built, and that was our 13th apartment deal? Yep. 13th apartment deal. Lucky 13. It was yeah. a good one. It was right? a very lucky 13, um, yeah. But yeah, built in 1968, had kind of the classic brick, two-story, exterior walk-ups, wrought iron staircases and that kind of stuff. That's that kind of 60s built product. There's a lot of it here in Atlanta and it did very well. We got it at a good basis, but we saw the opportunity to take those gains and Rosecroft was built 2003, 2002, 2003 timeframe, newer build, three-story concrete stairs that went in. I mean, it was a much nicer product and it had two and three bedroom units, which also had two bathrooms. So you had a much more modern unit. They, I mean, they had gas fireplaces in them. I mean, the one thing the 1968 vintage has over the 2003 vintage is the accessibility to all the pipes and plumbing, right? It's like when, when they were built on that crawl space of basements, it was just, I mean, you and I would go down there and fix plumbing issues. Yeah, it's easy to get to everything. Yeah, versus like Rosecroft was built on slab because the newer built, a lot of the newer properties built on slab and yeah, you have to call out a professional to break the slab up and get and access everything. So yeah, a little bit more tricky. <laughs> but it looks nicer. It's a better... You know, overall, it was a, it was a trade up for us, and this was sixty condo units in a larger complex. And we had managed this deal ahead of time. Another thing we liked about it was we had some experience with it. We were the third party manager for about a two year period, um, maybe was, four years prior to owning to, to buying it. Yeah, and with the two and th- what we saw while third party managing was that because of these, they had very large floor plans, two and three bedroom units with. A fi- with fireplaces, they were very comfortable for families, so our retention was very high. Yeah. And we really stayed occupied and had very little turnover while managing it. So it led to a very good purchase. Yeah, we, we, we are very focused on the operational side and specifically with retention. We believe that drives our operating costs, higher retention. We have a safer community. We have lower operating costs. It's easier to manage from a manpower standpoint. So we saw a lot of pros yeah. going on there. And, and we like that it was a Great basis. We were paid 60000 a unit. That was a great basis that we were excited to be in. So, but we got some investor feedback right when we closed. We're, we're not buying stuff that's in the you know, primo locations all the time. So he, he chimes in. He's like, yikes, you guys want to be buying this thing? <laughs> and I mean, you could look it up there. Anytime we buy a deal, there's always going to be some kind of history to it. And a lot of our investors are very informed and they're looking through what the news articles are and what's popped up about it over the years. So had seen some, uh, some excitement. More, more, that, than, more than one level of excitement. Yeah, more than one. So, you know, there were, there were certainly some safety issues and there were things that happened. But we feel like when we took over and, and we were able to uh, correct a lot of that stuff, um, but we still had our fair share of events. Yeah, our, our own challenges. Incidences that had to be reported to the insurance company. <laughs> like when the kid stole his mom's car and drove it through his own living room. 
It's like one of those, you're like, what the heck? But maybe, I don't know, younger kid took his mom's car, driving around the parking lot. Didn't know where the brake was yet early, early in his All driving right. career. So yeah. put a big hole in the side of the building. That was one that was crazy. We had the, the arsenal. Yeah. Well, you know, when your property manager calls you up and said, I, I just found 10 guns laying on the floor during unit turnover. What do I do with them? You know, there's not really a, let's flip the page 12 and see what the answer is. Where is that in the playbook? (laughs) It's like, hmm, let's just call the police and have them come take them. But then the resident calls like, what'd you do with my guns? It's like, look, you moved out two weeks ago. These, we called the police. You got to talk to them. (laughs) The only, I mean, major hiccups we had, we had the fire units. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we're always looking to go in. Our business plan here was... Rents were in the 70 cents a square foot range. Now, these are larger units because they're two and three bedrooms, but they were 70 cents a square foot range, and, and we knew from what we've been doing that we could drive those rents. Uh, rents are now much higher on a per square foot basis. We, we exited around $1.15, a square foot in rent. So each year, we were bumping up, but we started really low. We liked that, but right away, I mean, a year in, we had you know, a kid that was playing with candles and lit his mattress on fire, and thankfully no one was hurt. So, But they took out 12 units for about three months. Yeah, the, Definitely a punch in the gut to the revenue side there and, and you know, 12 families that we had to go figure out what we're going to go do with. And Ultimately, it took us over a year to get everything back online. Yeah, I mean, the, the first kind of half dozen of them came back pretty quickly. You know, we, clean, we cleaned them out and all that, but the, the last two were, had water damage, had fire damage. We basically had to tear the whole things apart down to the studs and rebuild them. Yeah, that was a that was a giant pain. You you yeah. see some of these issues. I mean, these are not bonds. You know, these investments require a lot of a lot of management input to make them perform. And that one was was certainly a challenge. That you know, in the middle of that, we had to stop distributions for a little bit because we're like, hey, we got to figure out how to how to work through this. But we were able to get through that. And then 2021, we we did our big refi. We did a video on the refi too of just you know how phenomenal that was. We you know, when we bought the deal, we bought five buildings. Only four of them were financeable. One didn't have, like, a continuous access point. So we had to go fix that. It took us with, two years to basically go through title and work with neighboring properties to get an easement. But once we got that, it took us two years. But once we got it, it made that building completely bankable. And uh, we were able to get a loan on all five buildings. We refied, t- pulled all of our cash out. Seven-year fixed debt at 3.49%. Yeah. and. It was a great ride. Yeah, we, we look at deals a lot of the time. We have operational improvements we can do and physical improvements. The physical improvements, like, you can easily see those. Like, oh, I'm going to replace the windows and make this look a lot better. Operational improvements like that, where you're really going through legal loopholes for two years and getting condo associations and owners to sign off on stuff, uh, it's definitely a hurdle. But that enables that to be financed through Fannie Mae, yep. which means it's pretty much accessible to buy for anyone. Uh, makes increases the buyer pool a lot and therefore makes it much more valuable on the exit. That's probably one of the most valuable things we did on that asset was legal, legal paperwork. Well, well that and the playground. And oh, <laughs> I don't want to downplay the playground. That was, that was a fun, that was a fun experience. So yeah. we, we're looking for ways that we can provide residents a better experience. There's not always, there, there was not land to go add, resort-style amenities, and there's not the capital stack to do that on some of these deals either. So we're like, what's the best bang for the buck that we can do? And yeah, Well, to be on bang for the buck, you know, a, a, a traditional 
relatively basic but nice playground for an apartment community runs about twenty-five dollars to $35,000 per playground. And we're sitting there just shaking our heads saying, man, this, this is yeah. absurd. So um, we found a way to go direct to China and order a playground for $7,000 and have it delivered on our doorstep and have our maintenance guys put together. Delivered so. in a shipping container on the doorstep <laughs> with no instructions and a lot of bolts. We bought a few of these, though, so at least as we kind of went through the and started doing it, we'd take all the pieces and lay it out. It's like trying to do a giant Ikea project with no instructions in an Allen wrench. We had more tools, but it, that's what it felt like for sure. Yeah, our maintenance guys were able to get that thing together. And, you know, you're putting in concrete footings and, and making sure it all fits. And that's, you know, something we can do that can help out our residents, give the kids some other stuff to do other than drive their cars into the buildings. The playground was after the car incident. Light their mattress on fire. Yeah, so it's like we got to get them outside, give them something else to do. Um, that's one of the things we did. That was fun, though. We did that at a couple properties, and, and it worked out really well. And so ultimately, we finished this, this asset up, and 2023 starts. And we just start getting more calls for, hey, you want to, yeah, you want yeah. to take our offer? Yeah, the first, I mean, our basis was $60,000 a unit. We started getting calls around $100,000 a unit. We're like, okay, like one or two calls, not a really big deal. It's, let's see what goes on. And then we got bombarded with phone calls, and we just kept working the price up and eventually exited 140000 per unit. But the most amazing part about it, the exit was it was a 4.4 cap rate, which just blew, we, we, couldn't, we didn't think we'd be able to get that low of a cap rate on an exit in this interest rate environment. Yeah. So that's a, it was a big win, another three and a half X equity multiple uh, on the sale. And, you know, we mentioned Proctor being a 1031 exchange that came into this. And now we're doing another 1031 exchange that'll, that'll come out of this. We'll have, we'll have more information out on what we're looking to do there on that front. But we're always looking for good value deals. We're always looking for ways we can grow revenue and add stability. And, you know, these two deals were five-year average holds. We don't necessarily go in saying, hey, this is a definitive, we have to hold it this long. We're more going in and saying, we want to hold until we see that selling is more beneficial. We look at Rosecroft, that decision to sell, one, we got a good price. Two, we started to see our first kind of revenue declines. Not, not revenue declines, but we had seen about 10% revenue growth per year going through our rental rate growth. And that had started to taper off pretty strong in 2023. And we started seeing lower retention. We judge a lot of our decisions on what does the retention look like on an asset. So when we see lower revenue growth and we see lower retention numbers, you know, we want to be at 70%. If we see stuff in the 50s, we, we definitely have some concerns as to is it not competitive as a price point or what's going on with that market. People might just be leaving that sub-market. That's, you know, that can happen as well. Um, so we saw lower retention here. We saw $140,000 per unit offer and thought hey, this is a great time to capture these gains. Right. And so, and the, the, you know, if an investor that came into Proctor Square in 2013 with us, but let's say they put in $100,000. When we exited Proctor Square, that 100 turned into $350,000. Then that 350, 1031 exchange into Rosecroft, it was another 3X. So that 350 turned into 1.05 million. So in a 10-year window, we did two properties, turned $100,000 into $1.05 million. So we... we we're pretty excited about those results. Very proud of what we've accomplished and our operating team has been able to do in the last 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. It's been, a, it's been great. Now we're just looking for our next opportunity. We're going to, we're going to roll our 1031 profits into the next deal and look for another, another deal that we can hold for four or five years and, and really create some value, either physically improving it or operationally, you know, making those improvements. So 
That's a wrap on investment number 41. It was 13, 41, and now we're up in the, in the 110, 111 range. So this will be something around there uh, as we look at our third 1031 exchange with these funds. So hope that was helpful. Let us know if you have any questions. That's it. For more tips on operating and investing in real estate, please check us out at greenleafmanagement.com or find us on YouTube and Spotify.